right, here we go for episode 28 of On the Bench with Beaks. I am your humble host, Cody, bit of a freak man, Beak man. I am Ooh. here with Keats Never Tweets Xanders. <laughs> I hate Twitter. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> and, um, and I'm also with Daniel, can probably Reedy Beedy. <laughs> Maybe, I'm not sure. <laughs> What's and up, then, everybody? And then I've got Ross looking all the gore more Meyer. Wow. Uh, no, yeah, maybe <laughs> a, a bit. All right. Well, anyways, <laughs> uh, today we are joined by uh, James Crosby, a Bay, uh, Bay Area journeyman goaltender. James, thank you for coming on. Say hi to all the nice folks out there. Absolutely. How are we doing, guys? Uh, it's uh, good to be on the podcast. Been listening for a little bit and uh, always fun to uh, join some some fellow hockey minds. Beautiful. Well, uh, we've, we've got a lot going on. So uh, where, where should we start, boys? I mean, we've got a couple of, um, you know, uh, trophy announcements. I mean, uh, I'm just going to go through a couple of them real quick. Uh, I mean, Bruce Cassidy wins the uh, Jack Adams Award. Uh, Nathan McKinnon wins the Lady Bing. He, uh, <laughs> uh, Sean Couturier wins the Selkie, which, which that is pretty was cool. that was cool. But that's that a really like, weird name to way to spell Bergeron. Right? I know, right? No, yeah, uh, they spelled that totally wrong, didn't they? Yeah, it's strange. In- thought- interesting. And then you got Bobby Ryan winning the uh, uh, the Bill Masterton. Uh, what do you guys think? Uh, in, uh, anything stand out to you guys? Yeah, Nathan McKinnon. Oh, gee, oh, <laughs> like a Colorado Avalanche fan. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the one. That's the one we talked about. I mean, we talked about all of them, but yeah. that's. I mean, that's the one. Hey, that's cool. That I mean, counts. I mean, it's it's it almost seems like a kind of unusual uh, trophy for someone of like an all star ca- uh, caliber to win, but I think it's really cool to see him l- win the Lady Bing. I'm honestly surprised he did win it. Honest, honest to God, I know I wanted him to win it, but the people he was going against. Well, I mean, uh, just like we said, like Austin Matthews. Uh, for the lady being give me a break you know i I don't know uh what do you think uh what do you think james uh anything stand out to you in in any of those uh i think just bergeron getting snubbed is the biggest thing i mean he's the best uh you know two-way all-around uh defense you know basically defensive guy but uh you know uh everything else it's it's kind of uh as a goalie myself i really you know the vesna is really all i pay attention to he's like uh, i don't then, give a fuck about all this <laughs> it's hard it's it's tough too especially i wish there was a best defensive defenseman uh category uh because certainly the norris is not that uh even as having a couple of uh norris winners on my sharks uh you know uh, just uh, uh, it, it's very yeah that doesn't mean that they're very good defensemen, as we saw this year. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's a good point. Uh, I'm a I'm a huge fan of that movement towards a defensive defenseman uh, award as well, because I there's ways that you can look at it logically, like well, there's one for each way of the offense and defense for the forwards. Why isn't there also for the defensemen? And it's just uh, I I continue to not understand why they don't separate that especially as defensemen over time have been asked to be more offensively focused but 
come playoff time, we're always talking about somebody like Eric Johnson, for example, who's like taken away from your team that's logging 23 minutes a night that shuts down that top line. And then we see Joe Pavelski and the stars score a ton of goals in that series with him out. So, yeah. And, and well, yeah, we brought that up in the awards episode mm-hmm. too. Like maybe, yeah, maybe do a new one, do the Bobby Orr award, the best offensive defenseman in the, in the game, you know, and then keep the Norris as, you know, strictly defense, which I mean, I think all of us would probably say would make the most sense. Yeah. I agree because he created the posi- the position and yeah, it completely makes sense, honestly. Well, yeah, I mean, Bobby Orr has re- uh, revolutionized like the, uh, the the ideal of a defenseman. So fuck it, man, make a new one. Yeah. So so James, if if we were to call the offensive defenseman award the Bobby Orr award, what would we call like the defensive defenseman award? Ooh. I mean, I think you have to go back to classics, which is not so much my my forte. So I might I might go to you guys, uh, but I would call it the the Mark Edward Vlasic as uh, as San Jose <laughs> as of as long as it wasn't the last two years. Uh, but yeah, you know, pretty much yeah. the first eight of his career, uh, he he blogged a lot of minutes against the team's hardest guys and uh, you know the the opposing team's hard, toughest guys, and he was able to uh, shut them down a lot. And uh, but yeah, it's that style player, a guy who doesn't show up on the score sheet a whole lot, but logs a lot of really tough minutes and uh, just gets it done. The getter done award. The getter done. The getter done award. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree, and I uh, got a soft spot for Vlasic. He helped us win a gold medal, I believe, in Canada. So I mean, uh, I, I got to say, Mark Edward Vlasic is probably the key shutdown defenseman that you could possibly have. I mean, uh, in, in, you know, when they were making real runs to the cup, I mean, he was the guy to shut down the, uh, all those top, uh, top, top line forwards. There was a massive opportunity missed to like, you know, like when in Florida they'd score and they'd throw rats on the ice. Oh like, yeah. For Vlasic, they should have thrown pickles on the ice. That would have been awesome. Oh, the Vlasic. <laughs> oh, that's that's pretty clever. <laughs> if I was him, I would have just came, grabbed one of those, and just fucking just took a big bite. Oh, out just of one like of them. do you guys like Hammond? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you guys remember? <laughs> Maybe when, that's uh, what it is. Best defenseman award brought to you by Vlasic pickles. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I remember. I remember Andrew Hammond when he had that huge. Uh, oh huge yeah, the hamburger. Oh, they would actually throw like off the, the ice. Yeah, I mean, and he like, ate one. I know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, this is like, pre-corona, okay, people. Just, pre-corona. Just take this. Take this into uh, consideration. I mean, the guy had to like actually have to go buy this hamburger, right? Right. And uh, that's obviously pregame. You're not buying a cheeseburger like halfway through the game. So this guy, this this hamburger is literally sitting in yeah, this guy's where's pocket that been thinking, right? for an entire yeah. game. The probably the walk to the arena and then like the entire game, only to throw it out onto the ice. And Hammond still fucking picks it up and eats the damn thing. Like I I, I got to tell you right now. I think I, I think I'd rather eat cat food than than that damn cheeseburger. And it looked like a McDonald's cheeseburger. It was. So, it was. so yeah, he you're got not, he got free McDonald's away. for a year from yeah, the no, local Ottawa McDonald's, which might explain his performance the following year. Oh but, God, yeah, like, right. 
Oh my god, it was so funny. Like, and there, I know there's some guy in Detroit right now being like, "I've fucking put an octopus down my pants for three periods right. <laughs> back in the nineties. Or, or, or the guys don't out, tell me about a cheeseburger. <laughs> or the guys in Nashville, they're putting big old cat feet yeah. down their yeah. pant legs oh, and stuff. It's like, what the hell? <laughs> Yeah, how are you getting through security with a big old catfish <laughs> down your pants? That's Ma'am, what I don't worry. It might get excited. I'm kidding. <laughs> ever, uh-huh. ever meet the elephant man? That's who I am. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Kickstand. Um, yeah. Oh, all right. yeah, right? <laughs> it's like two eggs in a hanky. And this is how Corona started. <laughs> <laughs> People with gigantic catfish walking around in their fucking pants. All right, so we're ten minutes in, totally on script. Oh, yep. absolutely. Yeah. That was that was all written <laughs> yep. out, everybody. So just just know that the, the somebody actually thought about this before we started talking about it. Totally. Yeah. So as we go, as we move down the line, so uh, uh, we're we're well into the uh, Eastern and Western Conference Finals. We just did a uh, breakdown of that. Um, I want to get I want to get uh, James's uh, opinion on uh, all that's going down. So, like, uh, just uh, just a quick rundown. What's what's it looking like on the Western uh, on the Western slope there, James? Uh, you know, uh, that's, uh, are we going with the, with the, uh, you know, as far as like Western conference finals, yeah, uh, yeah. or is that where we're going? Yeah. yeah Dallas and Vegas. Uh, you know, I'm very torn because as a Sharks fan, I hate Vegas. Uh, I, I love that, that, you know, I, I really thought Pete DeBoer got a rough ride, uh, over here. And, oh, yeah, uh, that's the right. one no. thing that. The one thing that I've enjoyed seeing him is he went from having zero goalies who could make a save to two pretty good goalies, but, uh, and watching Leonard and, and flower just kind of compete for that number one spot and all the drama that's been going on in that mm-hmm. I've been enjoying oh, yeah. it because uh, I really want Vegas to not make it to the finals again. Uh, the hard part about that is watching, you know, Corey Perry, anywhere near the Stanley cup finals. And so whenever I can do that, but I've got Joe Pavelski, so I've got to be rooting for Dallas. Um, I I've been really impressed by Kuldobin just, just showing up, showing out, Um, you know, kind of coming out of, uh, you know, you know, getting out of Ben Bishop's shadow, literally, because that guy's a giant Yeah, Uh, and, (laughs) and really just making a name for himself, but it's been fun to watch. Uh, I think as long as Dallas continues to, I think they're 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 built to take out Vegas uh, because their their stars are big boys. Um, it's not a Johnny Goodrow, you know. I have to skate around everybody and score. It's a, I can get my nose in there. I can grind, and uh, that's how you're going to get goals against Vegas. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Yeah, make a good case. Yeah. What are sure? What do you call the series at? I'm wondering. I think it's going to go seven. I think they're, uh, they're, there's, they're, they're two very well matched teams. Uh, but I think really, uh, you know, with, uh, with Ben and Sagan, and I know that, you know, was, is it ben? Ben's on the fourth line now, right? Yeah, he is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's, that gives a team depth because, you know, any shutdown guys that Vegas has, you know, they're trying to get them rest when, uh, when, uh, you know, I've always been more scared of balanced teams than top heavy ones. And uh, I think that you can get a lot done with a, a really effective fourth line as far as putting teams off their game, 
uh, maybe getting, you know, a couple points here and there that, that puts the stars on the other team behind. And to prove your point, didn't he get a goal last night on the fourth line? I, I think so. Yeah, I, I think he did. But yeah, he's, you know, contributing points from the fourth line is, yeah. uh, you know, always a good sign for a team. Uh, and I just think that going, you know, a full seven games, I think the stars are going to outlast them for their depth from top to bottom, uh, as opposed to the big stars on uh, on Vegas. That's a little bit more uh, top heavy. So, yeah, you're going to have two big bodies going after each other. Jamie Benn and uh, Ryan Reeves on those fourth line. Yeah, one of those guys can score goals. Yeah, that's uh, a good point. Can't. Yeah, yeah, the other one can't. <laughs> All right, so uh, well, let's look at the Eastern. Then you got a uh, Tampa Bay and uh, New York. Well, what's your what's your status on that? I think it's gonna go. I think it's gonna go six, and that is just out of sheer respect for Trot. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, you know Tampa Bay outclasses them in in every position except for coach and. Uh, I think Trotz will be able to frustrate uh, Tampa Bay. They might get a, uh, a you know, a hot start uh, from a goaltender. And, uh, you know, Vasilevsky, he's, uh, he, you know, he occasionally has his off game. Uh, I think it's going six, but I think Tampa Bay easily wins it. I don't think they're ever going to really sweat. Yeah, that seems to be the uh, consensus around the uh, uh, bench of Beaks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm starting to get, like, legit scared that the Lightning are going to win the Cup. It's 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 like looking like that every day, uh, more every day. I would say. Well, and even if I don't even know, is Point even in this game right now, or is he? Yeah, so we're watching Game Three right now. Yeah, and we don't know if Point's playing. Yeah, so yeah. I mean that's a huge loss, but I mean they've got so many guys like filler guys that can make up for oh, that I'm whole not entire worried about it yeah yeah, yeah. Like, that's what it's makes that's what's scary, scary. Yeah, yeah exactly his he's the number one guy in the league now with points yeah and the, he in, just went down and it's like none of us are sweating it we're all like five games six games oh yeah well yeah. and they're without once again stam coast and they're still yep. firing on all cylinders and that's just ridiculous yep any team that can lose stam coast and uh just just run absolutely run through boston uh, you know, is is going to be scary in the playoffs. And I thought I thought Boston was going to be their best challenge for if they were legit or not. Uh, you know, they got through Columbus, which was you know uh, really exercising the demons. Sure. Uh, but when you get but when you get into you know Boston is typically a heavy playoff team. You know, they're going to hit you hard. They're going to grind you up. They're going right. to get their their dirty goals. Um, and and the fact that they were able to kind of more or less walk through them, uh, you know, unscathed. Uh, was it was a true test to uh, them being really built well for the playoffs? Yeah, they had mm-hmm. more, they had more trouble with Columbus than they did mm-hmm. with Boston. It was just like, oh yeah, well you know we'll just brush you aside. But I mean, the last time they met uh, Boston in the playoffs, it was kind of the same way too. Mm-hmm. So I don't think Tampa's really ever had too much of a problem with Boston, even in the playoffs. But I mean, that uh, for them, I, I I think that's just another stepping stone for them. Mm-hmm. And it, it was also kind of just fine-tuning a little bit of, like, few things, honestly, boys. Yeah. Like, that's, like, they weren't missing huge, like, key players or, like, cogs in the whole entire machine. But you just have to get those perfect people that just fit, like, every aspect of what you need on certain lines. And, yeah, sometimes, yeah, sometimes you go go for gold or, yeah, sometimes you just lose the 
lose it all. Make sure everybody uh, drinks the juice. Exactly. All right, man. Well, uh, now that we got all the uh, NHL and um, uh, news from that little realm of the world, we want to hear about James Crosby. James, can you uh, can we ju- can you just start us off? You know, like uh, you know, an early Crosby, a little child Crosby, getting into hockey, and kind of tell us about that. Absolutely. Well, the funny thing is, is I actually played baseball into college and, and played a couple of years in college. Uh, so I was really focused on, I was very focused on baseball growing up and never really had much to do with hockey. Uh, you know, occasionally people have a birthday party at an ice rink or something and we go around holding the edge, uh, but really didn't spend too much time on the ice until, uh, you know, and I, I really wanted to I started to to get more into it when the Sharks were making a couple runs in like 0203 I was in high school then uh and really started to to respect hockey and and pay attention to it more because the guys had uh in baseball you know you say a five tool player you know you've got to have all the different tools and you look at these guys where they're they're huge they're physical they have to have endurance they have to have hand eye coordination they have to have explosive speed and yeah it was just truly impressed with the athleticism. So I started watching hockey and became a huge fan in, in, in 0203 and, and attached myself to the sharks, but it really wasn't until about five years ago. So about 2015, when one of my friends started uh, just in the adult leagues, he started playing hockey and uh, he went through just a 12 week course that they do. And then whoever takes the course with you becomes your team oh, cool. and you enter in the lowest level. And oh, really uh, I went to one of his, yeah. Yeah. So it's nice that, that everybody you, you practice and learn how to play hockey with is also your teammates on your first team. Oh and, yeah. Uh, yeah. And when they, when they got into it, so I went to one of his games and uh, with me playing baseball, I, I watched his goalie give up six goals that said, I haven't been on the ice in 10 years, but I could lay on my side and just with my glove hand, stop more shots than that. And, uh, <laughs> short, so my buddy short stop skills, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So my buddy basically said, well, just put your money where yeah. your mouth is, you know, let's go. Like, I'd love to have you out there. And so, uh, yeah, it came down to it. I ended up, you know, buying some gear off Craigslist and buying some from a hockey shop and some from here and there and pieced it together and uh, started going to skate and shoots, uh, which I learned as a goalie is like being on the wrong end of Bukaki. <laughs> oh my God. You're just taking it from every angle, uh, whether you're expecting it or not. And I, I had some doubts then, uh, but what happened was we had, a, we had an ice rink near me that do it on Thursday nights. They would do an hour of coach run practice and then it would break down into an hour of scrimmage. And that hour of practice was really crucial for me to work on my footwork, um, work with the other goalies there saying like, Hey man, I have no clue what I'm doing. Uh, can you show me how to, you know, can you show me how to butterfly push and them kind of teaching me and, and working their way through it. And uh, yeah, once I got a, I, I ended up landing on a, a low level team uh, and then, and then, after a year of playing low level, I got kind of, there was a a goalie that went out from a knee injury in the upper levels and the, the, the owner of the league kind of gave me the shoulder tap and said, Hey, look, 
I know you're in the lower leagues. He says you're going to get lit up for a little while, uh, but I know you're athletic enough to do this. And so uh, my first year in the higher leagues, I, I think I gave up, you know, seven a game. Uh, but by the time, uh, by the end of this, yeah, it was rough. Uh, but just but think, teammates, uh, you got to give, give up seven goals they... and there was some guy in the stands who was playing baseball and being like, bitch, I can give up less goals. Exactly. Than so you paid it forward. So yeah. there you go. Exactly. I, I, I absolutely, show, you know, maybe maybe I ignited another goalie and I did have a couple teammates who said, hey, I should play goalie after this. Uh, <laughs> and uh, without know, the Bukaki film as well. So, yeah, like, yes. so are you stuck on being a goaltender? Because I could hop in there if you want. <laughs> and you didn't, know, you, didn't you have your gear, like, stolen and then you're like, screw this and you went across the like from the rink bought gear and then played that night or something like that yeah that happened one time where i was uh so i used to dry my gear in the back of my truck i had a tonneau cover and when i would get to work we have a pretty quiet parking lot at work so i would just pop open the tonneau cover kind of let it air out at least all the sweat give it a little spray down with some disinfectant and uh it was good to go for the next week or whenever i was playing next and uh yeah, so I never really thought anything of it because I had been doing it for a year or two, and uh, who would I showed steal up to the smelly goalie gear anyway, man? You know, I think people just see it and they know it's valuable, and so they think they can huck it at a pawn shop or something. But really, nobody wants whatever. Uh, you know, uh, I was joking with some other goalies that you know, like if you can wear your your gloves, you know, for how many years without washing them, you know, you're probably good from Rona. Uh, you know, your immune system's built up to the point where, where, you know, yeah, you can, uh, you can kind of, uh, you'll, you'll survive. I think, um, I think but, mainly like a lot of hockey players can say that cause I, I haven't met a lot of hockey players that are just like very willing to just go out and, uh, just clean their gear all willy nilly. I mean, not, not... oh man, I was like, okay, I'm gonna be better by the second period because the crusty gloves have finally loosened up. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I finally got a good uh, layer of sweat going, so they're not crusty at all. But I mean, I uh, for me, it was just. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, man. Sorry, man. No, no. I was. I. I absolutely. You know. I. I used to have the crusty glove, which, as your your trapper as a goalie, you know, you want to be able to squeeze that thing and the puck stay in there. Oh yeah. And uh, I realized that you know it was it was just better to hose it down basically and get it wet before the game with my water bottle, mm -hmm. uh, rather than actually you know you know loosen it up or do anything. And so it's just you find the you find the easiest method to uh, to get it to where you want it to be, and you accept the uh, added weight from it truth and you're a big equipment guy just in general right like you know i like this is what i appreciated about talking to you a little bit um about just like how much you can love equipment because i remember just always killing time in the pro shops um before or after the zamboni was out there and accidentally just learning about like all the stick technology that was out or the newest pads that were coming out and you really like that side of hockey too, because you know its advantages, right? Absolutely, and it, it really comes down to preference, and that's the cool thing that that watching the pros and and watching my favorite thing to do whenever I go to a game, because uh, I do travel a lot for work, and I try to watch hockey in in as many different barns as I can, because every barn has its own feel, and it's always so amazing, and I love going to a 
Detroit Pittsburgh game in a Sharks jersey and people just being so dumbfounded about why is this guy here? Um, <laughs> Who the fuck is this guy? <laughs> you're on the wrong side. Who is this guy? Is he lost? Wrong you know? night, bro. Uh, <laughs> wrong side of the tracks, but it's brother. it's actually led to so many good, you know, interactions with people. And that's the fun thing about the hockey community. I, I went to school in Southern California also. Used to go to Kings games and, and Ducks games as much as I could. And the amount of people that were just embracing about it, you know, if you're a good fan who, when your team scores, you stand up, you cheer for a couple seconds, you high five whoever you're with, and then you sit down. People are great about it. And I've, I've had so many just great experiences and, and having fun banter with people all across the country. And that's why I actually bring my jersey when I'm traveling to wherever in the country just because and I know I'm going to a game is because it starts really fun conversations and especially when we're in the Eastern Conference nobody really cares about the Sharks you know nobody hates the Sharks out there yeah, oh yeah. so True. it's just it, it's more of a so it's more of a just fun conversation fun fun you know conversation starter uh, and it's led to a lot of really fun kind of uh, just interactions you know that's great. That's actually that's really great to hear because I mean, uh, uh, maybe some of us may, uh, you know, maybe not be able to like travel to other places. But um, I'm I'm kind of guilty of this. Like you know, when I go to Avs games and I see some guy in you know just some random uh, uh, hockey jersey that of the teams that are not playing that night, I'm I'm always the guy like wrong night bro you know <laughs> so uh it's uh you know i i'm I, i've been guilty of that you know depending on how many vodka tonics i've had that night but but i mean that's very that's really cool to hear actually that it, it actually sparks a better uh, uh like a better response than i would have thought absolutely and it's and it comes down to also just loving hockey you know it's like i was i was you know, really a fan of God, I, I hate to admit it. But when I was a kid, I was such a fan of, you know, the Fox broadcast and the light up puck. Oh, oh, yeah. that they had. I know I hate to admit it now because I cringe anytime I see it. But when I was a kid, that was the coolest thing in the world. As somebody who didn't watch hockey, I watched hockey to watch the, you know, the flames behind the puck as it, it was as laser, you know, from the blue point. And it worked. I'm one of the wow. I'm one of the kids that was attracted to the game from that gimmicky wow. setup. Uh, and I think that I think that one of the thing that people are really appreciating. I know we had this run with uh, my boss. He wasn't a big hockey fan because he hadn't watched it in so long. And now that the definition is so much better on television from the broadcast, is that when the Sharks made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, he kind of tuned in to have something to talk with me about, and. Uh, he just mentioned that it is so much easier to follow the game now than it ever was in the past. And that's because tracking the puck was nearly impossible when, you know, with the, with the aspect ratio and with the definition of the cameras and the broadcast. And so that there's a lot more hockey fans because the game is so much easier to follow from at home. Yeah. It was kind of hard to watch the game on you. Like, you know, your 30 inch, like Zenith tube, you know, uh, like have to get up and change the knob kind of channel changer kind of thing. I remember, uh, back when I was a kid, I think, uh, it was, it was about the same time as that, uh, we had, yeah, we had like a 30 inch like TV that, you know, had wood paneling around it and a 
we would have to uh, the speakers built in. yeah yeah and, that was the surround sound. and uh <laughs> and we would have to uh we would literally push all of the all of the couches so close to the screen to be able to even just like even uh have a have a chance and know what's going on just because of, you know the the picture and all that so yeah I, I i fully agree there and and i mean the puck tracking man my gosh that was just that was that was that was so weird that was a life that was like what a time like now all i can think about it are those fox robots that like would have hockey sticks and be animated <laughs> exactly. before the game would start and then like as a hockey like you you could see when like it wasn't being used like it would have a glow around it and you'd like see it in the first two rows of the fans when it was on the bottom boards of the yeah arena yeah. and you're like now it's like I, it's really nice to hear people like i want to see the red let me see the red like i want a fast shot here <laughs> yeah. you know Oh, I heard, uh, uh, like, uh, I, I believe that, like, this past season, I think the L.A. Kings had, like, a, re- a 90s retro night where they actually brought that back. They, for oh, that's yes, so cool. they actually yeah. used that. <laughs> I heard that they were talking about doing that, so that's cool. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, here we go. Yeah, I did see that. Well, I, I do, I do like when the NHL.com occasionally does the, uh, oh, yeah. you know, the the old Gretzky game highlights, where you know, where uh, the, the old like Sega Genesis hockey games, where uh, where you you know they they put the little star around the player with the puck yeah. and stuff like that, and do the laser shot where they do those retro edits yep. on real footage. It's always fun to see. Yeah. It oh, brings yeah. back a lot of nostalgia. All right, so check this out. This is the first time that we've actually had two goalies in the laboratory at once. So I think we're gonna, I think we're gonna, we're gonna get a little tendy tandem here. Uh, Keats, what do you got for us, bud? Oh man, there's so much stuff I could talk about. I mean, you guys have been kind of going back and forth. I've been sitting here all quiet because <laughs> I'm just it like, <laughs> just. Uh, uh, <laughs> Well, here's your chance, man. Be a star. Well, no, man. I mean, um, like, I know you, you kind of shared a story, you know, how, like, can you, like, maybe elaborate more, like, why the goalie position was more appealing to you than maybe, um, you know, being a forward or a defenseman or anything like that? I, I, I am guilty of this, and I 100% knew that being a goalie is a big investment up front. Uh, because the, the, the pads and the helmets and everything like that, it, it's so much more expensive to be a goalie than it is a player. And, uh, there's so, but there's so few people that are, you know, seeking to get hit by the puck, uh, that you can find ice time whenever you want. And that's even in this, this whole kind of COVID situation we're in. Um, I get, I get to play, uh, you know, the occasional skate and shoots and things like that, because, people just want a goalie to shoot on the Bukaki um, session. And so they, yeah, <laughs> oh, exactly. Back to exactly. That, yes. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but, but it's, it's one of those things where I knew that, okay, I, I I'm going to drop three grand out the door, but you know what? I'm not going to have to pay $500 league fees, you know, Truth. every six months. And so it was more of an investment. The one thing that I didn't factor in is wanting to buy new gear all the time. <laughs> uh, so syndrome. I think yeah. I'm I'm still at a net loss, but uh, you know, as far as the I consider it an investment and fun. 
And um, whenever whenever the fiance gets on me about buying new gear, I just tell her it's for my safety. Uh, and I can usually get a pass that way. Oh, dude, I'm I'm with you. I mean, I'm I'm guilty, man. I'm guilty with the gear. Uh, I am. I think of myself as like a Arthur Zerbe that you should of know because you're the, the old school shark guy. Yeah. Because uh, because I because I'm from Latvia. I was born and raised yeah, there for a very like long time. Wall. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I just I. You know, I have a very hard time with like new equipment, man, and I kind of want to pick your brain about it. Um, for example, like I, I know you kind of elaborated on the gear a little bit. You know, like I, um, my girlfriend was nice enough to buy me some new pads. You know, this last Christmas, some Bauer S twenty sevens, because I've been rocking uh, uh, Reebok five Ks for like the last God, I don't know how many years. Like they're like my high school time. Um, so they were, I don't know when they came out in like 2004 or something like that. Um, and she got me these new pads, man. And, and, and I'm not going to lie to you. I freaking hate them. (laughs) You are going to get your ass kicked so bad by Carissa after this. Um, it just, I, 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 no, I, I, I appreciate them. They're super light. Um, you know, like the quick Velcro and all that, but like, I'll, I'll be honest, man, like, I hate where the new gear's going these days. Um, I like the old straps. I like to be able to, you know, strap my pads, you know, with old belts. Um, I like something that bends at the knee that doesn't feel like a cardboard box on your uh, on your uh, legs. Uh, what's, what's your perspective on the gear these days? I, you know, you know, especially remember you're engaged, James. So answer accordingly. <laughs> I, I I will I will and that's okay because I I fund all my I fund all my own purchases so so I'm a, so I'm clear to speak freely uh, <laughs> but you know I I do agree especially the Bauer line just feels like cardboard wrapped in leather um, I understand that it's light and that appeals to some people uh, but but I started in a pair of of Reeboks um, I wish I could bring model number. Uh, and then I went to Brian's net zero from there mm-hmm. and those also felt cheap. And now, right now I'm in a pair of CCM, actually Carter Hutton's, uh, prospect pads from when he was in St. Louis. Um, and, and it's one of those things where he, and, and if we can get into this later too, is, is his style is, is more, he doesn't have a super wide butterfly which is why the the break they're they're almost goalie pads have have double break for people with narrow butterflies where it kind of closes the five hole for you or a single break which is just kind of a single angle which is for more of these guys that can do the splits right when they wake up out of bed yeah. uh and yeah. and yeah i i'm not that flexible and so i needed something with a little bit more bend to it whereas the your Bauer pads are, are a single, I believe they're a single break most of the time. Yeah. And it's just, and, and they're great for the one aspect I like about it, especially in beer league is you can launch rebounds in them uh, and, and get it out of the crease. You know, if somebody takes a clapper and you can get a leg on it, you can send that thing right back out to the blue line and have time to readjust. Um, but, but my Reeboks, my first pair of pads I had, 
they were super soft. And I really struggled with that, especially in the lower leagues, because if a puck hit me and, and especially when you're new to the game, you you're not used to where the puck goes after it hits you, you're kind of reacting to it. You don't have as much of a feel for it. And so, and, and even now, I think probably just as learning the position and playing hockey later in life, I prefer to send the puck as far as possible uh, just because at least I can get eyes on it. Um, and that was, I even went from all white gear, my first set to all black gear, which was a huge mistake. I got a couple really quick whistles and I think I had one where a guy on a breakaway, the ref was trailing uh, and he snuck it five hole in me, but it hit off the back bar and went right under my pads and the goalie or the uh, ref never saw it. Uh, because I remember him just losing his mind and me just showing the puck between my legs. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah. You just act like you got it and, uh, you know, you kick it out to the corner and, uh, you know, let the ref, uh, restart it with the face off. But yeah, it's very interesting the way that, that certain goalies, you know, they attach themselves to a certain style. And I think that that's also changing some of the trend with, younger goaltenders in the NHL you look at Bennington winning it last year and what happened is you you look at some of these older goalies of you know Patrick Waugh and and you know like Evgeny Nabokov out here where these guys were kind of in the stand-up game and towards the end of their career were playing butterfly Whereas now you get kids that from when they were four years old have been playing butterfly goalie and their their game is more tuned. You have to think of, you know, pros adjusting at the highest level is always going to be more awkward than somebody who's grown up doing it their whole life. And I think that that's where there's certainly this resurgence in very young goaltenders doing very well in the playoffs is that some of the some of these older guys, you know, maybe started in more of a stand up style when they were kids and, and maybe when they were you know 12 13 14 started doing something different but the kid yeah but the guys who are growing up you know that are only in their early 20s have been playing one style their whole life and i'm actually interested to see as we see you know offenses adjust to to so many goalies covering low so well um you know what they're gonna do and and there's actually in a couple of the goalie forums i'm in kind of this whole hate on the butterfly style because if somebody would have been standing up and reacting to the shot it would have been the matter of moving you know your arm or your shoulder three inches to make the save as opposed to somebody trying to kind of flail and and you know get get a piece of your equipment in front of it and deflect it so it's it's interesting to see the progression of the game as the offenses adapt to the goalie style and, and, and vice versa, where, you know, I feel like offenses adapt to the goalies and then the goalies adapt to the offenses. And it's kind of this game, this cat and mouse game where they're always chasing each other, but it's very fun to follow. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm with you, man. And it's, it's interesting. I agree with you. It's super interesting to see like how much the goalie game has advanced. Like you mentioned. Uh, I mean, when you even go back and watch like, you know, like the old school goalies, you know, from like Cheevers to, che- to exactly like Cheevers to Hextall to exactly. Wa. I mean, wa- watching like someone like Cheevers, obviously like legend, right? Um, but like his playing style is like 
not not to like bash or be disrespectful anyway but you watch some of those old school guys it's like holy crap like this is almost like how I see half of these beer leaguers play right now. Like they'd oh, be no killer NHLers. They were scoring, and the Art you know, Ross guy was getting 150 points a season. You know, and then and then obviously you go you go you know years later on later on, and you start improving, and then you start seeing the butterfly and like more like technique to it. You know, like putting the knee down and like all all these all these different new styles. Um, and I, and I'm sure like, honestly, I, a big, big reason behind all that is the gear, you know, yep. it, 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 cause it, the more the gear advances, the more it gives you more options essentially to like be a different style of a goalie and, and, and try these different forms. Cause I think, I think back in the day, you know, like the way they played was kind of like, ah, like if I do this, I, I might not get as hurt. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, yeah. yep. think about it, man. Like all they had was like strapped on pillows, really. Basically. You know, there there wasn't really much protection. I mean, fuck, no, yeah. no goalie wore a face mask until Jacques Plante. What was that? Was like the sixties. Yeah, and I mean, you're talking about even like and that's fresh sixties. We're we're talking about uh, goalies taking advantage of technology in years. Like, even if they did absolutely nothing to pads, they changed the material that absorbed water less, that made the pads lighter, that allowed them to do the exact same thing. But that's not the only thing that happened, right? Yeah. And even, like, like, like the style of the glove. Like, look like look at an old-school glove. It looks yeah. like, a, like, like an actual, like, It's like a mitt. mitt. Yeah. And, and... With like a the little, size of it too, with a little extra leather on the wrist, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. Oh, that was that was the Louisville TPS. I think they had like a cheater kind of web yeah. between your your thumb to your to I remember your forearm, those. where that yeah that was and that thing was a you know you could you could block out the sun with that thing yeah uh, you know it was it was and and that's where it's interesting to see the regulations the NHL is putting on you know, on the equipment and, and mm-hmm. what way they want to go, because obviously they want more scoring, mm-hmm. but there's also a safety factor. Mm-hmm. in now that these carbon fiber hybrid sticks, you know, it used to be, you know, one or two guys could get it into the high nineties with a clapper. And now you, you look at any fourth liner that leans into one and they can get it up around a hundred miles an hour. Uh, I'd love to see Bettman, you know, anytime he makes any kind of gear adjustment, he has to take five Shea Weber slap shots in the gear he's recommending before he can approve it oh yeah no you you want to make it a pay-per-view do whatever uh you know the nhl could make hand over fist because i know a lot of people that would love to see bettman take one to the chest from weber especially Uh, if it's a charity (laughs) event i'd bid money to take a freaking clapper to bettman i'd pay high dollars just to see it. you're touching on something else that i actually need to talk about that i love about the technology advancement too because i read a report in the atlantic when ryan miller was playing about how during his career he's one of the last goalies in the league that had to deal with the evolution of the technology but not in goalie but from player from the wood to composite stick And he was talking about how as a goalie, you know, you're trying to pick up on these last micro fraction second things. And what was so hard for him to adjust during his career was the fact that the kick point on a stick was different for a graphite stick. So he would have players 
barreling down on him and he'd need to remember if they used wood or composite for like a few years of his career where it was transitioning because it affected how quickly or how the shot would come off a stick. And I can imagine as you're trying to evolve your style, having to deal with something like that introduced in the league is something that I think is being underrated as a goalie as well. So. Absolutely. And, and I could see that with that change because, you know, some guys have more dead sticks or they don't have enough weight to really lean into the, you know, they buy the top of the line sticks, but they, they buy the same flex that they're, uh, their favorite player who is, you know, six foot six and, uh, you know, 240 pounds leans into, and they're, they're sitting there at five, six, you know, maybe five, six, one eighty, and they just can't get the flex on it. But I've seen a couple, a couple guys really lay into it where slap shots, you know, they, they look like they used to come off the stick clean. Whereas, you know, guys that can really lean into it from the point when you see that thing kind of scoop the puck up, you know that the angle might be different, you know, and you know it's going to get on you quick. And so when you see those certain guys lean into it, uh, you know, I, I, I absolutely know that it, it looks different. And there's also some guys, too, where they've gotten me on a changeup because beer league, you know, sometimes guys have their nice stick and then they have their backup stick which was made in the 1980s. I'm still using my uh, Easton you, Stealth from early 2000s. Yeah, and 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 you'll see if they break their if they break their, you know, quote unquote nice stick, you know, they're in the game and then all of a sudden the puck starts coming off their stick much different. I understand that and as Ryan Miller on a higher level that it does look different and you get used to the way that certain guys shots look um because because you you start to expect something of them and and when it comes off different it can really cross you up because it's all about timing and it's trying to be at the right angle at the right time in order to make the best save that you can uh and that's where where certain guys uh you know you know a, a change of a stick or a change of anything like that can really kind of screw up that timing and it can cause some ugly looking goals yeah and uh Kind of to talk about a little bit more about sticks, because uh, that brings up a whole other thing too. Like, just brings me back some memories and stuff. Um, have you, James? Have you? I, I know you said you you didn't play for a long time. Have you had an experience with like a wood goalie stick before? I do. I have my. Uh, I, that's typically my lower league, uh, beer league stick. Is this heavy piece of lumber that when I swing that thing across the crease, it gets clear. Uh, oh, yeah. you know, it is, I, I've got my carbon fiber, nice stick for, uh, for my, my upper level league games and whatnot. And I usually play with that one, but my backup stick is absolutely a log. And that thing is great <laughs> for, especially when the puck is sitting there in the crease, or if somebody's trying to do a last minute move and I decide to go for the poke check. Uh, I know that if any part of my stick not only hits the puck, but hits their stick, that it's going to disrupt them enough to really give me a split second in order to kind of react. And I actually use that stick against some of the heavier teams that, that like to put bodies in the crease. Uh, you know, as I played for three years in the league that I was in, you get to know a lot of the other guys you play against, you get friendly with them, you know what they their tendencies, what they like to do. And uh, on those heavier nights sometimes, or even in between periods, I would change sticks if it was just going to be one of those kind of nights uh, where we're having a heavier stick. It wasn't so much about my blocker reaction as it was of 
getting the puck out and being able to kind of swing that thing around and, and, and really, uh, you know, if I connected with something, disrupt their timing, uh, whether it be the puck, their stick or their foot, because uh, they're also pretty lenient on goalies with, uh, with, with tripping. No, I'm with you, man. That's super interesting because um, the reason I asked was because it reminds me like in, in my younger days when I played, um, there was this uh, Bauer stick. And I, I remember, I, I wish I remember what model it was, but it was one of the sticks that my, my dad got me a long, long time ago when we still lived in Europe. And it was a f- all wood stick um, and it was heavy as shit. And it was one of my favorite freaking sticks, man. Um, and uh, I, 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 what I liked about it was um, some of the things that you mentioned, you know, poke checks, things like that. Uh, you've really, you know, you were able to do it with no, with no questions asked. Um, and it also, one thing is um, what I can say with the newer sticks is they're so light these days. Sometimes uh, when I'm playing, I catch myself not having the stick fully on the on ice because mm. it's just like so light, you know, and those old school sticks, they're fairly heavy to where you're almost like they're, they're just on the Default. ice. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're just like, you just feel them. You know what I mean? And that's what I really liked about them. And, and honest to God, if I could find that stick today, I would 100% buy it. Maybe you could, absolutely. Maybe you can find a like a lumberjack to fashion you uh, a new goalie stick. Right, and I and I I talked about um, this was in one of our way earlier episodes that we I talked about that Bauer stick. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that. that was, I think that was the hat trick actually. Yeah, and then this is his rosebud. And it's just again, man, Playing like like that stick. I think I'll think I'll remember that stick for the rest of my life. You know, my dad was able to get two of them, and then they ended up getting discontinued for whatever reason. You know, but I loved them, and they lasted forever. That's another thing. Well, and that's the thing. Uh, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just gonna throw my hat in the ring here, real quick. Uh, I know you got you boys are getting real excited about goalie gear and stuff, and, and the thing is. <laughs> Um, for a while when I was playing, uh, you know, when the, uh, composite sticks came in and I kind of always thought like, well, you know why? Uh, and this was before they actually really started making, uh, goalie sticks out of like composite and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I kind of thought about it for a little bit and I was like, well, why, why wouldn't they make composite goalie sticks? And then I kind of, you know, uh, I don't know. I was thinking about it all through practice because I was, like, up in the uh, pro shop looking around, you know, looking at goalie sticks because, I don't know, I was um, – anytime I went and looked at my own kind of sticks, I'd always go check out the goalie sticks and wear the goalie gear and, like, imagine that I was a goaltender, you know, because I never got a chance to actually ever really step in the net. And so I would just go up to the uh, pro shop and, like, pretend I'm a, a fucking goalie or whatever. And – when I when I uh uh but I digress uh so uh, I I actually started thinking about it. I was like well you know I don't really think uh, you'd want to have a composite stick as a uh, goaltender because I mean you get so much stick work and like you you gotta have a strong stick as a goaltender I think really wood would be so much better of a way to go just for its durability and for a lot of reasons of what you guys actually just uh, noted you know so i was kind of yeah, it's kind of interesting yeah. hearing how it's like one of the maybe not 
completely favorite new forms of technology that has come out of the NHL. Yeah. Or hockey. Yeah. You know? I remember those weird ones too where like the grip right above where the paddle would end for goalie sticks was like almost art. So it's like it was way like, Curtis curve. The yeah, Curtis what the fuck? What was going on there? Like that that's, was weird. You know? It's, you know, it's funny because there's a couple beer leaguers and guys that in, in goalie forums that I'm in that, that absolutely love them and they're they're perfect and it's it's nice because you have a good grip on it. Um and it works for lower levels because you don't have to be able to really play the puck. You know, okay. it, it is really great for guys that are in a beer league where it's comfortable for covering their five hole and they can kind of maneuver it a little bit, but you don't need to move the puck on the highest level. And I think that I, something that I really appreciate watching like an Alex Stalock or some other goalies, you know, you know, Pecorine who can just kind of catch the puck, put it on the floor and then get it moving upwards where you can give your offensive chances where, where sometimes guys are sleeping because they think the goalie is not going to do anything. Uh-huh. And you can all of a sudden flick it up the blue line and then they've got a forward just crashing on them. Uh, it can really, and it also keeps defensemen back because when they know that a goalie can really play the puck and put it where they want to, uh, it, you know, at least one of those defensemen has to hang back because you never know when the puck's going to get, you know, all of a sudden be up in your end. Um, so I really have an appreciation for watching the NHL guys play the puck, but it's, it's more of a, I think it was people tried it out and it just, it works for lower, you know, what works for lower level doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to translate to the highest level. Yeah. I always saw that as like the, uh, the equipment gimmick equivalent of, for a player, the Nike stick that had holes in it. Do you oh, remember yeah. that one? Yeah, where it was absolutely. like, "Oh, my stick has speed holes, so I'll be able." But to that's like... coming back again. Why? Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't get it. Right. I don't know, but it's coming. I, back. I needed your opinion on that, James, because I was like, "What? Why did that exist?" That made sense, though. Yeah, I was always really curious about that too. Just like, uh, to, to be completely honest with you, I'm kind of like, uh, just like I said in the introduction, I'm a bit of a freak, man. So. <laughs> God damn. So I, I might, if I was a goalie, I probably would have definitely tried, tried one of those out. So like, it, I mean, is there an actual reason for, for it? And like, is it called the Curtis curve after Cujo or? Cause I, re- cause I, re- I remember Cujo. Um, I, I always noticed this. He always actually, uh, whenever he'd play the puck, he'd switch his stick around that's what I'm talking about. Shoot with his top yeah, hand, Roman like, Czechmonic his... was the same way. Yeah. He had to like flip it over. And I noticed right. so many goalies now, it's almost like you can't do that anymore. No, this, yeah. The sport has gotten so fast. We don't like goalies that have to do that. Well, we it's... want you to like play the puck on the same side you hold your stick. Yeah, and uh, I always thought that was the weirdest thing because Cujo was pretty much like the only one that i i I don't remember check monic doing it but But they were good at it though oh yeah so i was like why are we not allowed why do you want to phase this out like we're fine yeah because and uh for a while i thought well i guess that's how all goalies do it you know like if you have to shoot right but you catch left you just switch it around but i never i never noticed anybody else doing that 
Yeah, it's it's one of those really weird things where where it comes down to a preference, and I think that it's it's you know me coming up through the beer leagues and without having coaching, and that's part of why I don't play the puck a lot is because it's a fifty fifty whether I'm going to send it down the ice or if it's going to just sit right in the crease. So when I've got a forward bearing down on me, I always tell my guys if I skate out of the blue, uh, you know we're in trouble. Uh, and that's just, and that's, you know, just because <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm a goalie I'm I like reacting, but yeah, I, I, you know, I've absolutely gone into the corner to try to, you know, when we're on a power play, I've gone into the corner for a puck and then you go to flick it up ice and all of a sudden, you know, the puck's right there at your feet and the forwards, you know, a couple feet away from you. And you have this weird kind of like, bring me back to my blue paint feeling, <laughs> uh, you know, like I'm not safe out here. And you try to start skating back and things just get weird. Things get weird. <laughs> Defensemen get in the net. Uh, it's it's all bad. And so, but but there is, I think that, that, you know, when the goalie sticks were changing, people were trying out different things to try to make them work. But being able to flick them around. And I can say from, from goofing around, it was more comfortable for me to put my trapper on the end of the stick and use my right hand, especially being a baseball player, even though my stick was flipped around being a, you know, left-handed trapper, you know, right-handed blocker goalie is that was felt more comfortable to me, but I would never have the time. And so if I had a flatter curve or a stick that would allow me to do that, I would absolutely do that if I had the time, but it just comes down to practice and repetition with anything. And it always comes down to comfort uh, because your number one goal is to keep the puck out of the net, not to assist the offense. So uh, that's, that's really what it comes down to is, is just whatever's comfortable for you. And that's where there, there are some different styles. And I think especially in that era, people were playing around with it, but I think most goalies just because they've been doing something a certain way, uh, from from childhood is that just what they're comfortable with and that's why you don't see it as much anymore hmm. I just I think it's cool that the goalie position is a little bit more unique where you have a little bit more control picking your equipment to dictate your style of play than like a defenseman or forward where really all I can really change is maybe like the flex of my stick or like how I use it but it's not like I can alter my shin pads or my elbow pads. Yeah. I, can, I can really only put on like an extra clear layer of protection over my skates to block shots and stuff. I'm not like really looking at a lot of my equipment choice dictating my based on my style of play, you know, or performance. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know, man. Like, I mean, I definitely goalies have more. I mean, there's more gear and all that, but I'm, I'm going to say when it comes to players too, like obviously sticks are huge for players. That's like, I think that's like a number one thing. And maybe number two would be skates. Oh yeah. There's a million different types of skates, uh, comforts, wide, wide, wider boots, you know, like that sort of thing. I mean, in a way, I think the players have a lot too. It's just, it's just a tad bit different. Yeah, man. A- even, even when it come, comes to elbow pads and stuff. There's a million different, you know, styles well, that that that's might true. fit better for kind of like know, right. whatever type of player you are. Elbow yeah. pads. I think that's the biggest. True. I think uh, for me, Sell the biggest, short. the biggest thing as a player is really uh, like shields, like face shields. Oh yeah. 
Because Good point, yes. too. I mean, yes. I've, uh, I, shield, I've, full face, I've not, played. Yeah. I've played with every single one of them, and honestly. Uh, no shield is good for me. I mean, I'm not trying to uh, call myself Jamie Vin or anything. Boom. <laughs> Anyways, uh, but I mean, when I played, uh, you know, I I did the full cage. I did the I did the glass shields. Yeah. I did the half shields. I did different kinds of half shields. When I when when and, I was a little a little guy, um, I thought the glass shield for a player was like the coolest freaking thing exactly, in the world. That's how I did that's how I thought too. Yeah. I can't tell you why. I couldn't give you a good reason Mighty today. Ducks. But it just looked cool. I I thought it was just fucking cool. Yeah. Same with my Legos. It was I always like, loved those helmets with the shields on them. It was yeah. like H D live. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean yeah, like I like I it's said so I so much crisper. I, I tried half cage, a half shield, like just a half shield, you know, different kinds of half shields. And um, which actually uh, leads me into my next question for really for both of you. Um, you see different goalie uh, goalie helmets. Well, we haven't really talked about goalie helmets too much. So uh, we you see different uh, like goalie cages in a, in like different um, in different, you know, uh, arrangements like uh, wh- 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 how, how does that work out for you guys? James, I'll let you lead, man. man. All right, yeah, no, and this is this is something that one of my first helmet I bought was a what we call a waffle, which is just you know the standard grid, yeah. and uh, you know I got used to that, and that was okay. And then once I switched to a cat eye cage, which is what you see in the NHL, yeah, I understood why people do it, yes. and it's because you can see the puck around your feet, you can see. Basically, where you want to look is clear, whereas with a waffle cage, you yes, you can see and you can see through the cage, but it's just your your eyes are working and focusing on different things and trying to find a, kind of find gaps in the waffle cage to focus on. And that split second of being able to find something or not really does matter, even in the lowest league of hockey. And, and knowing where the puck is. And, and I have, since I went from a waffle cage to a cat eye cage to, I had to buy an emergency helmet from one, one of my other helmets failing. And, and I, when I went back to the waffle, I probably had three games where I just could not track the puck. I could not see what was going on. And it was so hard. And, and now that I've gone back to the cat eye, I just can't go anywhere else. Yeah. And that is, it, I, the, I mean, when you talk about goalies, you, you know, probably the number one asset is your vision and, you know, seeing the puck. And, and when you have something that impedes that, even at the smallest level, it is really, it's really interesting. And that's why I, I myself, I, I love goalie masks and especially watching the evolution throughout the years and the different things that they yeah. tried. Oh, yeah. And I think a oh, couple yeah. of years ago, there was somebody who was trying out a shield as goalies, which I'm just like, no, uh, you know, and their, their whole idea was, you know, we have a, a, a product that's strong enough to hold up to the strongest of clappers. Uh, but, but, you know, just having that cage there and things like that, it's and I have had sticks go in through my eye hole. Oh, because uh, because a puck can't make Bukaki it. Bukaki 2.0. Oh, yeah. And so that's where I and, and luckily it didn't get my eye or anything. But it, <laughs> the fact that it was in there was very scary. 
And, oh, yeah. Uh, I can imagine. And that's whenever there's that kind of hacking and whacking in a beer league, you kind of, once the whistle goes, you give them a, come on, bud. Uh, you know, like, I'm, I'm a person down yeah, here. Gotta we all got to go to work tomorrow. Come on. Uh, and usually they're pretty good about it. Oh, well. I, uh, I, I, I know that for me when I, like, same thing. Like I was like, oh, sweet, I'm old enough to wear a visor. Fuck yeah, I'm going to wear a visor. And then I was like, oh, shit, now I'm in a beer league where, like, I don't know the other guys on the ice. Like, I'm going to get high-sticked and get a tooth knocked out so easily right now. And so I went back to the cage to sacrifice a little bit of vision for, like, keeping all my teeth and not getting more scars because I couldn't trust people out there. Weenie. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> but also, I'm, I'm, I'm allowed to play all three periods and not, like, screw my team over by needing to go to the hospital half, halfway through. Plus, you got all the pearly whites still. I so. still do. That is, that, that is one difference when, when you compare, you know, um, like, visors and stuff, players, as opposed to, like, goalies. Like, for you guys as players, like, it's like, yeah, I might lose a tooth or I might, you know... Uh, literally need get some a, stitches yeah. for goalies it's just as simple as just vision how well we're yeah. going to be just as protected no matter what we choose uh but uh J- james couldn't have said it better man um between the waffle and and the cat eye my first two helmets were waffles <laughs> the very my very first waffle Herbe was style right that my team uh provided uh for me and then my second was that actually my mom got me, and that was my first fancy helmet that had like a monster design, and it was like yeah, painted or whatever. That. I, yeah, <laughs> the, the one that I brought with me when I yeah. when we still played together, yeah. Cody. Yep. Um, that was that was my second, and then my third was a cat eye, which I wear now in beer league, and that's when I got a big boy job, and I was able to afford my own cat eye. A big boy job. <laughs> and 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 cat eye like one hundred percent. Huge difference. I could imagine. Once I you mean, go cat, you never go back. Uh, yeah, 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 exactly. Have you, tried a, have you tried a certified cat eye? Uh, I got it. There are certified ones which which are small enough to not allow a stick in. Yeah. So, oh my! I, I I got rid of mine so quick. I just decided that I'm done because after getting adjusted to a non-certified cat eye, I'm like, whatever, let it stick hit me in the eye. I, this is ain't this ain't worth it. So, uh, there were too many blind spots. Okay, okay so, so interesting. So I I bought a Vaughn. Um, I, again, I'm bad with the models. I can't remember what model it was, but I made sure it was certified. Uh, and I don't know why. I it just it was like a comfort thing for me or something. But I made sure that I bought a Vaughn certified cat eye helmet. Well, you're talking. So. Well, you're talking to Jersey addicts, so we're we're all <laughs> we're all in on the authentic or you know certified shit. So don't even. Worry I wish I didn't know the day. difference between replica, certified replica, certified authentic, yeah. authentic so it, replica, and yeah, replica authentic. But sometimes, I so sometimes I'll, ignorance I'll, is bliss. I'll be I'll be honest. Um, the reason why. The reason why I look for certifies, I'm a, I'm a gear dummy. I'm, I'm like, I don't know a lot about it. I just kind of like read some shit on Google, this and that, and like whatever makes sense, I buy. Uh, the reason why I look for a certified cat eye was because um, I was under the impression that a non-certified could be a tad bit bigger in the cat eye version. So say like 
a freak accident happens and the puck somehow ends up flying a certain way, you can still get hurt. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was very like, no, I need to find a certified one. So that doesn't happen. I didn't know there was a difference. I actually thought the cat eyes the NHL players played with were still big enough to allow like pucks to go through or something. And they were just always taking the risk. James, you got you, you got any knowledge on that? Yeah, you know the 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 certified has to do with if a stick can fit through the that hole, and so it it matters more in youth hockey where they try to protect you know the younger players and yeah. and and so and I've heard stories of you know sixteen year old goalies not being allowed to wear their helmet and having to wear you know the backup goalie's helmet or something in more competitive uh younger leagues and it's you need certifications and it's all for safety uh but you know there are off-brand you know cage makers that make things that are great for visibility and and that's the thing with with sometimes with these it's funny with these well-respected brands of of you know whether it be bauer or vaughn or anybody like that where they actually don't make the best helmets or, or visors for your equipment. And some guy with a TIG welder in his garage makes a much better cage for your equipment. And that, that even this whole rabbit hole of, of masks and, and what comes down to what your masks is made out of it was, was through a frustration of mine, which was the lesson I learned the hard way which was I had my original waffle board mat or, you know, waffle cage mask. And it started to rust out on me a little bit. You know, I wasn't very good with my gear back in those days, would just kind of throw it back in the bag when I was done and and let it be what it was. Uh, And it started to rust on me. And so I started looking for a cat eye cage, mainly because I wanted to look cool and look like the NHL guys. And I learned I was, yeah, I was wearing basically the reason that my mask was, was I bought it for such a steal was because it's, it was nicknamed the widow maker. I thought uh, thought that headaches and ringing ears were a normal part of being a goaltender. I was just like, Oh yeah, you're a goalie. You get hit with the puck. This sucks. And once I learned how bad my mask was, and this is something they sell over the, you know, this is something that guys don't even recommend for ball hockey. You know, they're like, if, if you're playing, you know, like if you're playing ball hockey in this thing, like you can still get ringers. And so I ended up going with a respectable mask maker. And the crazy thing about this is even at the pro level, it's just like usually some guy who makes masks. It's not like a huge corporation. It's, <laughs> so, it's, it's just some guy who makes masks out of tough materials. Yeah, so just... I went from the worst to a, you know, carbon fiber Kevlar epoxy mix. And I started taking just absolute bangers off the mask and all of a sudden i was like oh wait i my ears don't ring for two days after playing hockey and (laughs) oh wait i feel a whole lot clearer at work and i realized (laughs) oh wait you only get one brain uh spending a couple extra hundred bucks for something that is at an appropriate level is definitely worth it and that's kind of where i got obsessed with masks interesting man um one thing one other thing i want to ask you about masks so um Obviously, like some of the older goalies, such as Arthur Zerbe, Osgood, Hasek, you know, those guys, uh, 
they wore a particular type of mask. And there was actually an interview back in the day with Arthur Zerbe. Uh, some of the locals asked, why don't you wear uh, the masks that these today's goalies wear? So masks that we wear today, you know? So like and, less the Cooper helmet yeah. with the waffle cage and more like the form they call, factor. Yeah, they call it yeah. a combo mask. Yep. yep. And Arthur Zerbe's response was, because it makes me feel like I'm in a wood barrel. Uh, what's what what what's your comment on those masks? Because uh, because like like I said, the guy like Arthur Zirbe was like 100% against it. He said it makes him feel like he's in a wood barrel. Like to me, when I think about it, like I would feel like his mask would make me feel like I'm a wood I'm in a uh, wood barrel. Uh, what's your thoughts on it? Well, it's it's interesting too because even in the Urbe era the amount that those guys would go down and really face a shot, it has to do with the style of goaltending. And now that guys are on their knees facing shots so much more and using the head as a primary, as another tool for blocking, it's, it's really designed for, you know, the, the Urbe style helmet was, and it's different because he came up with it, but, but that was, a stand-up style helmet. You know, you were supposed to, your head was above the net. So if they hit you in the face, they miss. Whereas if somebody hits you in the face right now, they didn't necessarily miss. You you were just in between them, them and the net. And so the the masks now are designed much more for the transfer of energy from a full-on clapper. And, and I think the vision is better because a lot of those typical masks or, you know, those combo masks are also the waffle style. And I just, I would feel, I would feel a bit naked. I would feel a bit weird in them. I haven't ever worn one, but through the four masks I've worn, uh, but, but it's, it, it also comes down to just how much time you spend in something it's comfort. And, and that's where, one of the more interesting stories I read was on Patrick Marlowe and he's actually running out of his skates because he's used the same skates for the last like 15 years. Oh, okay. And when they stopped making them, he actually bought out their entire stock of his size. And so he had like 200 of these skates because wow. he knew he had a lot of career left. And there was a, when he was in Toronto, I remember reading a story about he's down to his last like seven pairs and he oh, only shit. had X amount of them. And every off season he would try different gear and, and he just didn't like it. And he would have, I, you know, Reebok, I think made them Reebok would try again and again to kind of recreate that in a modern style. And he would wear them off season and he would try them out, but he just preferred the feel of whatever his skates were. And so there's a big thing to say for, whatever you feel most comfortable in. And I think that kind of brings this all full circle is that it's whatever you're comfortable with. Some goalies like sending rebounds far. Some of them like smothering the puck and, you know, the puck to kind of die and, and when it hits off of you. And those are all things kind of, you can communicate to your gear manufacturer in order to the build and especially the pros driving this uh, is the pros giving them feedback of what they like and what they don't like. And that's the very interesting thing about custom goalie gear, because even though whatever they're wearing in the, the pros, you know, it looks like what you can buy off the shelves, but the amount of modifications and tweaks that the pros have 
for their own gear is very interesting. And so you can buy some gear that is the same manufacturer, same brand, same size for, let's say, like a Braden Holtby and a Martin Jones. Uh, you know, they've got the same gear, but it's completely different. And and that's that's the crazy thing. And it all comes down to your play style and what you're comfortable with. And it was kind of nice seeing with the bubble, seeing all these goalies, there's a very interesting split in the gear manufacturers right now between CCM and Leferve. Um, with their, with their, where Leferve was, was a design shop working with CCM and now they've split. And a lot of the goalies during the bubble, when they were getting back in, were trying out different gear and, and even what you see in the NHL, it comes down to licensing. And there's a couple of guys with helmets and masks where they have to wear tape because the small mask manufacturer can't afford for the licensing rights for his logo to be on NHL games. And so they actually have a little piece of athletic tape over it, but it's the goalies are wearing something that isn't authorized. You know, it meets the specs for professional play, but they don't have, they're not willing to pay for the licensing rights for, you know, their, their company logo to be on there. And so there's, it's cool hearing, knowing, a lot about that and the goalies, but it all just comes down to preference. And so hearing that Artis Urbe felt a certain way in a certain type of mask, it absolutely makes sense. And, and it, it, you know, trying to make a change sometimes doesn't work for guys and sometimes it does. And, and it's, but it, it just comes down to preference because when there's a forward bearing down on you with the puck, the last thing you want to be thinking about is your gear. Uh, and, and I can tell you in multiple times where I've had to try something else out or maybe a toe tie broke on my gear and I didn't have, you know, the refs push the game along, you just feel uncomfortable and you feel like you let in bad goals because you're thinking about something other than just focusing on the puck and what's going on around you. That makes sense. I like that Patrick Martin. Were you going to say something? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, well, like, uh, I think James just called when uh, Patrick Marlowe is going to retire. Yeah. When he runs out of his Yeah, <laughs> basically that's the inside scoop there. Right. And I was actually going to comment on that whole story because I love that example because I worked at um, Sport Check in Canada, which is like Dick's Sporting Goods, but for Canada. And I remember going through the training of selling skates to people and basically it came down to like the reason why these different companies are allowed to make different hockey skates is because they have uh, each manufacturer can do whatever they want to the skate. But what they can't do is the pitch of your foot in that skate. So like what angle your foot will rest in from the front toe to the back heel flat or at what angle was all reference to the manufacturer. And so what was interesting was like, I would have people. And then once I knew that, I didn't know if it was psychological or real at that point, but like I grew up on Bauer skates. I bought one pair of Easton's during college when I had no money. And I'm not saying Easton skates suck. I'm just saying because they weren't what I was using, I hated them. And then I learned about that and I went back to Bauer and I was like, oh, it's, it's less about, well, it is definitely the skate, but also it's, it's the brand and like what they can control at that point. So I was, I like that Marlowe story because it made me realize like, oh yeah, I a hundred percent 
can buy that story because I never want to skate on Easton skates and I never want to skate on anything other than Bowers ever again. Yeah. That's, and that, that's interesting on skates too. And I don't like, I, and I don't know if James agrees with me or not, but a big skate name back in the day was Graf. Yeah. Oh every, yeah. Every cool fucking goalie had the Graf skate. You know what I mean? And then, like, I still got, like, coaches that I keep in touch from time to time that, like, we would talk and they'd say, yeah, if one thing I could bring back would be the graph skate. Um, and you know what's weird about goalie skates is, like, I, now that you mention it, I remember there was, like, kind of this evolution where it was, like, a skate that you'd put in a shoe to make it a goalie skate. Yeah. And then you had, like, the shoe-ish form factor, but it was a goalie skate. And then you had goalie skates. And... Just to bring it full circle, like a story that came out during this playoffs was like Robin Leonard lost a blade in one of his skates, and it was it, it then happened like a period later again, and they're like, "Come on, I thought new skates were like way better than this," and it came out that it's like actually he's using skates from like four years ago uh, because he loves them and doesn't want to change to something new. So. Yeah, it it really it really comes down to you know what you're comfortable in, and and you you just don't want to be thinking about it. And and those I know I've, I've you've seen it multiple times where the skate pops out, and that's one of the reasons why I don't like those those clip out skates is because you know in the NHL you might get a whistle or you might get you know you have a you have a equipment manager who can come out and give you a fix really quick. Whereas if it's if it's eleven thirty p.m. on a Tuesday night and I'm in my beer league, uh, nobody cares. You know they're gonna drop the puck and say figure it out. Yeah. And 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 so it's going with what's bomb proof. But you know the the biggest the biggest change right now going on in goalie skates is is really in the last couple of years was has been those those pop out blades where where there's almost a trigger oh, yeah. you pull and you can release it and that's caused a lot of issues. But it's also probably on the other side is guys can have multiple sets of, of steel sitting on the ice. And so they can have a fresh edge. And if they're used to a fresh edge, you know, because the one of the biggest things that gets me and, and I always as a beer leaguer, I hate it is when I sli- when I have to slide to a post and rather than catching it with my toe, I catch it with my blade. Sure. And then I just create a dead spot yep. in my skate. Especially once I had my, and I kind of, it's funny because I usually go, uh, you know, 12 to 20 games, uh, depending on how my, my schedule works out between sharpenings. Oh, you're fucking lucky. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, we, we have a sharpener right across the street or we did, uh, for a long time. And so that's where, as I would just wait for a favorable time and I would get him to resharpen. Uh, but but you would get dead spots in your skates and and that's where you would kind of learn to play around it on the fly but once you got too many of those dead spots you wouldn't have confidence because I definitely have times where I push off with my toe and times where I push off with more with my heel and it's just knowing where I have good edge left and and that's and and that's I'm sure on the NHL level, if they get one nick in those things, being able to change those at a TV break or anything, oh was yeah, they're huge. they're gone. Yeah, yeah, I like that that part of the pro level always got to me a little bit. I was like, clearly never good enough to be anywhere close to that level. But I always kind of wished 
that I was like, well, I wish I could get my ice resurfaced after every period because that would probably be nicer. Always or, super jealous. You know, of that. like I, I wish I could have my skate sharpened sharp every game because I was that guy. That's actually why I took that job at Sportcheck was just because I got free skate, skate sharpening like all the fucking time. So <laughs> it was pretty dope. Um, but yeah, like so anyway. Speaking of ice sharpening, what's what's what wh- where do you sharp your skates at? What's, what's your, your preference? preference? Um, I I go with a five eight standard cut. Yes, um, you know, I have yes, I I had an aggressive, I had an aggressive, so I actually switched to step steel, uh, which is a taller blade, uh, because it helped my attack angle. Those are the two things that I do with my did with my pads to make them better for me. Because as I'm less flexible than people that do the splits, you know, seven days a week, um, the, the the knee block is something that allows your pads to lay flat on the ice without your legs being at a 90 degree angle. So I actually have taller knee blocks and then I have longer blades on my skate because it allows me to have less of an angle required in order for me to catch an edge and so especially in the fly you know you make one save but then you've got to push across to the other side of the crease i found it to be more advantageous to have that lower attack angle and it also keeps my backside leg closer to the ice to seal off uh to seal off if the puck gets kicked into the middle of the uh into the middle of the ice and so but but the five eights has been standard because i i did sharpen them i i did i forget the, the the exact sharpening but i did go much more aggressive on the edge and what i found was it got dull too quickly and also when i was just trying to when the defensemen were passing amongst each other uh trying to look for an angle and i was moving across the crease i started to catch up my le- my my edges a little bit and it was just so different to me that i didn't like it and so as soon as my edges were done i went back to the five eights that's, That's cool, cool, man. Yeah, cause um, I'm a. Uh, the reason why I like five eights is it is because I am a. Um, it's not too sharp, but it's also not too dull. That's what I like about five eights for myself. And it holds an edge much longer than, yeah. than anything more aggressive. Anything more aggressive, two games, and you really need to go back to it, or you need to get used to it, and you get these kind of weird spots where your your spots where you're used to putting the pressure, it starts to dull there, so then you kind of start moving your, you know, either more forwards or more backwards to catch fresh edge, and it's Again, it's not what you want to be thinking about when you're making moves and people are bearing down on you is, hey, where can I put pressure on this skate and I know I'm going to get an edge. You just want to be comfortable being able to push off and know that you're going to catch ice. Are all you tendies taking notes out there, by the way? You yeah. might want to be writing this down. Well, this is all very useful. Yeah, for I, You're also making me realize like I completely want to disagree with myself from earlier about like players not having as many quirks about their <laughs> gear as goalies. Cause as you keep talking, I'm like, like yeah, every time I got a new pair of skates, I did get them profiled. I did get them sharpened to this. He, eighth. You and can like, see it I on did, his face too. Just like, like, like when he, you know, when everybody else is talking, he's like, <laughs> he's yeah. like oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. Oh, these, these, these things keep popping in my head. <laughs> Fuck. 
fuck, you know? Yeah, I, no, you guys know how it feels. I was quiet this whole time, and you guys started at the beginning, and now all of you are quiet because we're, we're exactly. going back we're, to we're back. going deep down the, the yeah. goalie fandom and, and gear preferences, and, uh, and that's that's uh, that's where we're going. Don't worry, we'll Keats steer them like, that way. Keith's like, what are you wearing right now? <laughs> <laughs> right? Nothing much. What about you? Oh, just some, ba- just some Bauer XR77s. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the Vaughn uh, Trapper, you know, from, you know, 09, like the ZR634. Oh, <laughs> I'm oh. almost there. Oh. Are you talking spring 20 or, <laughs> spring, or, or fall 2020? We're talking. Well, we do. <laughs> we're talking early. We do winter. in the goalie community. We do have fapping videos, which is uh, which is when you can close your trapper and it makes that nice little whap. Oh, <laughs> that's awesome. And they call it a fapping video, and people say, it, you know, like they're like, oh, you know, oh what is that? You know, and that's a thing in the goalie community. It's like, oh man, that thing seals tight. Oh, you know, that is, uh, yeah. you know, check this out. This is fresh from the manufacturer broken in look at this fat oh my uh, god you know, we, we get into it we, we, we so, get weird with that so people. there's like the jersey attic mail day where we're bragging about what we just got and then there's the goalie equipment fap day the fap day yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah there's when there, you finally well, break we get it the in. unboxing and the fapping uh, <laughs> oh, so we get the next level yeah so you're like you guys are like double time so that's pretty awesome <laughs> <laughs> absolutely you got unboxing absolutely. and fapping day oh wow well man i mean we've talked a lo- about a lot of gear and whatnot but um i guess if kind of finish up everything what would be your ultimate gear to have if you had all the money in the world man like what would be the gear that you would get for yourself right now i have to say i would go with uh, as far as gear i would go with brian's um i know i'm in ccm right now but brian's uh just absolutely knocks it out of the park with their stitching i know bauer it's it's funny because the performance side is almost secondary to what you can do with the styling. Yeah. Yeah, And that's, and that's, and it's more bragging rights, especially in beer league is, is how stylish you look. Uh, And if you can match, you know, match the, the skill level with it. Um, But, but Brian's, they've always been top notch on their customization and also communicating with the customer from what I've heard. Uh, as far as making sure that the pads fit correctly, that they they handle, you know, as far as the custom, you know, that's their whole thing is they're the custom goalie company, uh, and they they make that kind of stuff. But uh, there'd be that, and then and then masks, you know, as long as the protection's there, then there's a couple of mask artists, which is like that's a whole part of why everybody wants to be a goalie is just the designs oh, of the pads. Dave Art. Everybody thinks cool, Dave Art. But, you know, even Dave Art, he does the coolest, most realistic stuff. But then there's goalies with just a very simplistic, cool design. I mean, uh, you know, you got to throw it back to Felix Potvin uh, for the most That's what I was going to say. Cat eyes plus Potvin? Yeah, exactly. That style or based off of it is is just so cool. And, And that's where as goalies as the nhl season ramps up and even during the bubble when goalies were trying different styles at everybody was just 
so obsessed with what graphics they were trying yeah. uh and and you know like it's just part of the whole look and it's cool with it but i've always been a brian's guy uh and and you know as far as protection you know i they're a defunct company uh but hackva is is my f- preferred mask the way that it fits my head wow that's uh, and deep the, yeah they they make you know that's the thing is they make they make tanks um and they make tanks but but you know there's there's a couple of different artists out there and there's some smaller even mask painters out there that are doing some really cool stuff i've got a new guy his name's trace armstrong does pharaoh goaltending and he uh he does like a lot of gold inlays in his masks with clear coats and he does his stylistic kind of genre is more based out of the eighties where it was bold colors. Oh, and so yeah. I think Dave art masks are amazing and they're pieces of artwork, but it doesn't necessarily show up on the broadcast. Whereas in the eighties, they had these kind of bold, strong lines with the team colors and they converged in a certain way that was more preferable and so i kind of like the meshing of those two where you can use really cool style to do amazing stuff but have those bold lines to where the mask really makes a statement but um yeah that's kind of that's kind of where i would go would be a potman style mask that's you can see from the cheap seats um and then some some custom brines gear well, beauty, uh, man. That's awesome, dude. I I was going to say uh, Brian's gear is something that I'm exploring right now because that's more that's bends to the knee and stuff that we talked about earlier. But then when it goes to masks, um, one thing, uh, check out. There's a local guy here in Colorado, Defender Masks. He makes some amazing cat eyes. Uh, so if you want to check it out online, Defender Masks, you might be interested in those guys. Just a little... So, promotion. so goalies are crazy people. Is Vic still a company now that everyone realized that Civ backwards? Like, are they? I know, just, I've never they, heard of them. You've never heard of Vic? No. Oh, okay. I'm I'm dating myself right now. Yeah, no, that's what like Broder used to wear, and then all of a sudden it like completely fell off the earth. They they were there. I know what you're talking about. They were there, and then they weren't anymore. Uh, I I can't tell you what happened to them. I think they just went bankrupt. Or yeah, maybe someone like, else bought them. They or fucked uh, up. <laughs> uh, some, it, it was something like, happened, but they were they were gone. So, I mean, you, you it, it, it's funny that they're they're able to. I mean, you look at like TPX and Louisville and Nike used to make. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, you know, like you look at all these people that have tried to make a name for themselves in the hockey community, but really only a couple have stayed true, you know, stayed, you know, true, which is like CCM and Bauer, uh, probably the two biggest that kind of go back and forth, maybe Vaughn. Well, yeah, uh, and ab- absolutely. And then I even think about like Reebok, you know, Reebok ended up doing like a thing with Coho, you know, it never was Reebok. It was mainly Coho when you think about it. Yeah. And you had Nike by Bauer. Apparently, Vic is now owned by Pure Hockey, so the, these companies oh, yeah, get like yeah, so it's like up. 
You know, so that, like it's like your um, Reebok and CCM. You know, like for us Coloradans, like it's like when you go to King Supers, it's like the Kroger brand stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're all they're all they're all basically just held by it. Uh, you know, a uh, fucking you know great god in the sky, basically gigantic conglomerate. And yeah. and back to James's point, that's that maybe makes sense too, where it's like, oh, but that dude playing net right now has the bomb ass gear from the. You know, the local farmer. This is the organic grown. This is the, you know, no GMO. The real deal. This is the real deal. And, like, sorry, I didn't pay for the licensing to show my brand on TV, but, like, this is the shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You get, like, coveted in a sport mask and these guys that, like, on the protection level, because that's the thing that I've found is that the name brands, when it comes to protection for the head, are so far behind are so far behind what other people are doing and and that's because they're they're willing to take risks that big corporations aren't really willing to take and then you know a couple of years down the line they start making some stuff mm-hmm. but but usually um for the cost you know you can get a pro protection level mask for $500 from one of these brands. But if you go for the corporate one that ripped off, you know, their style and their formulation, it's going to cost you, you know, 1200 to 1500 bucks. And so it's, it's especially in the beer league goalie community, you see a lot of that stuff. And, and I mean, that's where, I mean, not to throw like Bauer under the bus, but it's like, it's like that enemy three, like, there's probably some damage there that will rear its head, you know, from my first, two years of playing hockey and taking ringers in that thing, thinking um, that, Hey, I got a name brand. I should be okay. No, you're, and you're it was really on right. me. Cause, um, when the first initial concussion reports were coming out about like concussion in sport, and they were looking at all sports, they, the same center that was doing the studies on football helmets with Riddell was doing it with, um, hockey helmets with uh ccm bauer reebok and you know what was the best tested helmet was a 65 dollar helmet from warrior uh and then all of a sudden like warrior became the helmet to use and you only don't you don't really see warrior as a brand in hockey other than gloves because i think they started as a lacrosse company and helmets as uh, as again an offshoot of the lacrosse situation but they came from a sport where you were throwing an Indian rubber ball at each other at like 80 miles an hour and that fucking hurt. So I guess they figured it out. So yeah, it's just and interesting. They make, they make really great beer league pads too. And that's the funny thing, but they'll never pay for the licensing uh, for NHL. And that's why you never see, it's one of these things where they make great, you know, rec league and high level rec league goalie pads but you'll never see them in the nhl because they'll never pay for the licensing for any any pros to really use them well said uh well you know what james i think we've got an episode bud yeah we talked a lot about gear this this, this one's, one's gonna, gonna be for all the goalies, goalies out there, there. oh yeah the, the fucking and the gearheads all right so james thank you so <laughs> So much thank you so much for coming on and talking to me talking with us man
Absolutely, guys. Anytime you want to be back, uh, it, was, it was an absolute blast. Uh, we can talk about Leonard leaving one leg down and uh, opening up some holes and, and all that good stuff. <laughs> absolutely. And his stylistic matchups. And uh, yeah, that's uh, I'm always down to talk it. And uh, as long as everybody's rooting against the, the Golden Knights, we're all, we're all <laughs> in the same family here. That's well, great. I mean, hey, uh, no matter what, we all love the hockey. Well, thank you so much for being on. Uh, do you want to send any shout outs to anybody? Uh, just, uh, I kind of did one earlier, Trace Armstrong, amazing graphic on my mask, uh, some gold inlay just to, just to stunt on some people, uh, when I roll up to the next skate and shoot and, uh, end up on the wrong end of Bukaki. Uh, <laughs> oh my of, God. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's, that's what we do. got to get one more Bukaki drop in there. James, um, that was uh, the, yeah. I've, I haven't la- laughed longer to a reference on this show since then. That was oh hilarious. My God, that was I was nuts. laughing for that's, like a that's good five like, minutes. That was hilarious. Yeah. That's what it feels like at a skate and shoot. So respect your goaltenders. Uh, let them put the posts in before you start shoot, firing. Shoot low in warmups, people. Shoot low in warmups. Boys, uh, you got you got any sh- shout outs to uh, throw out there? No shout-outs for me. Uh, thanks again, my Bear Nation. Uh, thanks for letting us do the thing and getting us cool stuff to sell to people. Um, yeah, that's that's about it for me. Same with me. I, I just want to say we've been working with Dog Nation recently. Um, our good friend Brandon uh, Lyde has done an amazing job on a recap video of dog nation so can we share that on our we YouTube, can by the way yeah we can yeah. um so man you guys if you want to see how money donated to a nonprofit related to in making hockey a community effort i mean this video that brandon made is absolutely incredible so a big shout out to brandon right now oh, thank absolutely. you so much for being involved with dog bowl thank you so much for your time and your work is incredible and uh we'll make sure to share that on our on our uh channels with you guys to take a look at absolutely ross i'd like to give a shout out to everybody on 9-11 about 19 years ago um like my heart goes out to you guys uh the firefighters the people just involved um policemen everyone like my heart goes out to you and i'm sure everybody else with on the bench with beaks um but it was a very hard time in our nation but the next day was one of the most like jubilant like supportive parts of our like comeback for that united 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 yeah Never forget, and I guess I guess we should have mentioned this. We are re- we are recording this episode of nine eleven, so yeah, uh, probably yes. one thing. Never too. forget, yeah, super appropriate shout out, Ross. Nice. Well, yeah, that was beautiful. Um, yeah, I gotta say thanks to James, thanks to the boys on the bench, thanks to you, thanks to all our listeners, and uh, we'll catch you next week. Uh, we love you all, and um, you know, have fun, play some hockey, and you know, maybe crack a beer open every now and then. So, Vihorsh, have a good one. Till next time, boys. Abiento. And girls. Bye-bye.